0: Well this, uh, this Wednesday is our last official day in the building and uh, if you don't know, uh, we are moving to the Newport Big Six Theater, uh, which is uh, that big kind of bright theater, uh, fashion island and uh, I know uh, that Tim Carr here, he told me he used to go there as a boy and uh, so that was in the last millennium yeah, it's true. Most of you were born in the last millennium. So, uh, but he, he uh, was telling me how he used to go there. But that's, that's where we are. We've, I've, I've taught, said this many times as a church. We started in a nightclub, Dennis Rodman's old nightclub, Josh Locum's, 2601 PCH. And that was our first venue. And then we moved to the Lido Theatre. And then from the Lido Theatre, we moved to Seegers High School Theatre and then from there we move to here, and now from here we're going full circle. Now we're back in a the movie theater, and uh, we're just going to take a moment to pause there, in the uh, in the movie theater for some time, and then uh, make. Uh, then I'm believing, I'm really believing God for the next step, for another permanent venue that maybe we can purchase in the future. But we're very thankful for everyone who's been a part of the journey. Um, and many, many people, many thousands of people that have been a part of our church that have uh, come through our church. And many that are in other parts of the world, other parts of the country. Um, and so we're thankful for each and every one. Uh, thankful for everyone who's been helping us with the move because we've, uh, it's, it's a big job. <laughs> I, one of the things I used to hate was renting a, renting a house and having to move every. I can remember times in Sydney having to move every six months or every year. And then when you're moving out of a building like this, it's a huge undertaking. And so, big thank you to everyone. Now, I want to give a special shout-out to Michael Ellman, who has been absolutely amazing. And we could never have done what we've done without him. He's been handling everything. He's, he, he actually retired but then he started helping us, and uh, he 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 made a decision. He was going to retire, and he wanted to spend the rest of his life doing something significant. And so he's been super excited to be involved in helping us as a church, and he's been a huge huge help for us. And he's kind of quarterbacked every aspect. Um, see, I'm becoming an American. I'm using American terms. He became a he's quarterbacked every. Every single aspect of this move, including the people that have shared the building with us, and uh, many of whom have purchased equipment from us, which has been great, which is helping us in this transition. We have others. Tomorrow, we have a team coming in, uh, and they're taking a whole lot of stuff, including our screen, down to San Diego and storing it there, and basically stripping back everything in this place. Um so it's a huge it's been a huge undertaking so a big big thank you to michael been a real blessing yeah give him another hand and of course to everyone else that has helped us every saturday the last month uh five weeks i think i've been in here with a team of people it's been really great it's amazing how when you get together uh when you get together and you do things as a team that are different from what you would normally do what a great joy it is and 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 so much fun and excitement we had uh, Jeff Geiger was there with a wall that we're pulling down he was banging nails out of 200 year old planks and uh, uh, the other team that were that were pulling pulling it down Jim Gray and Bob that were pulling down that wall Uh, and uh, doing such a great job so if you want a wooden wall of Wood that's 200 years old from Kentucky that saw, probably witnessed some of the events that took place during the Civil War. It's there in the, in the, in the second room, in, the, in our second auditorium, and we're looking for somewhere to move that. Um, but again, just a great, great big thank you to all the team and the technical, there are too many people to mention uh, in, uh, in this time that we have. If you go out into the foyer, we have a whole lot of books there. And uh, you can take whatever you want. Um, We're selling them for $5 each, but just take whatever you want for a donation. There's some really good books there. I might get there before you. Um, And it it will help us um, uh, to move the... uh, uh, so that we don't have to move those or store them. Some of them we can store because we can re- reuse them as brand new, some great brand new books. 40 Years of Decrease by Alicia Britcho Lee, one of the greatest books you could read. Um, and we also have some CDs. Anyone ever remember CDs. My car, how many, I'm sure there are many people here who have motor vehicles who don't have a CD player in your car. I do have a CD player in my car. And we have some CD sets here that uh, I actually, well caught, they're slippery things these, Um, that we recorded series that both myself and my wife Di have taught. And that we have, um, you know, we used to have them available, but basically because everything's gone digital now, people don't use CDs. But we have a lot of these, and I'm going to put them in the dumpster. Uh, So if you want to take them, if you want to take some, you can. Here's a great series by Die Increasing Your Capacity. Another one by Die More Jesus. I like that. One by Me The Second Mile. Stepping out of the ordinary into the extraordinary. Another one, the seven dreams of a dreamer, how to dream a bigger dream. Uh, Expansion and contraction, how to grow through the expansions and contractions of life. And so these are all series that we taught in the church over the last 16 years. If you want to take one, London, our our daughter, who's 14 years old, she said, look, there's some CDs here and it's got your name on them. I said, yeah, they're CDs that we'd, we 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 they're your messages? Yeah. So she took one of each. I'm really encouraged by that. She took one of each one. She's gonna listen to them. So hopefully she listens to them more than the advice that I give her and the things I ask her to do the rest of the time. Just kidding, just kidding. She's a great, great girl and a real blessing. So just take what you want and uh We'd love you to do that. The other thing is that on every seat, there's one of these cards, and it says on it, you're invited, and it's got the details of where we're going to be. We'd love you to take these cards, take a few of them, and actually don't just keep them in your pocket, but invite people to come to church in our new location, and it's a great opportunity for us to kind of relaunch and uh, invite new people that are a part of your world and we'd love you to, to, to take them and invite them. Our next service is going to be this coming Sunday, September 4th. It's our daughter's birthday, 15th birthday. Can't believe she's 15. Uh, and we are going to be there. And it's a great opportunity for people to serve. If you want to serve and help... We have to set up and pull down. We've kept it simple. If anyone remembers how we used to set up and pull down in the past, we've stripped it back down. Thank God for the digital age. And uh, it's a lot easier for us to do what we're, we're going to do. All right. Uh, before I get into my message, uh, we have a book here that's written by a great friend of mine, John Siebling. It's called Worry-Free Finances. And it's an awesome book. If you want to get a hold of a copy of this, please take one of these. It's free of charge. It's free, but it'll launch you into a whole new concept and revelation of the power of generosity and giving. And uh, it's full of principles on uh, giving, on tithing, on offerings, on the biblical principles about it. And we'd love you to take that, study it, have a look at it, and read it. Of course, generosity is an important part of our faith as followers of Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his son. And so everything that we have is, is, comes from God. I'm always, I love that psalm of David where David says uh, at the end of his life, everything I have came from you And when I give to you, I'm only giving back to you what you gave to me. I'm very thankful that this summer, our daughter London got her first job at this Newport Surf School. And she was earning $120 a day. And she worked for three weeks. Which means that when it comes to Christmas and my birthday... Instead of me giving her money so she can buy a gift and give it back to me, she can buy it herself and give it to me and give it to Die. So really when we give, we're just doing what London has been doing and our kids have been doing all these years. They're just We give them the money, they buy the gift, they give it to us, they're giving back to us what we gave to them. And when we give to God, that's what we're doing. We're giving back to God what he gave to us. And so I want to thank everyone here for your faithfulness in giving. I think going up on the screens, we have a, a, um, a, uh, a uh, yeah QR code. Thank you. We have a QR code there. If you want to give now, you can scan that or you can go on PushPay. Uh, we have envelopes on the seats. But I want to pray and I want to thank you all for your generosity, for your giving, for your faithfulness. We would not be able to do what we're doing now. And even though we're moving into a movie theater where our overheads are less, uh, we have been sharing the building with others. So basically, it's it's a wash when we move into our new location. We're not saving a huge amount uh, because we've been partnering with others. And that's been a great thing because other people have been using the building. We've had a, a Taiwanese church and we have a Spanish church that have been meeting and other people that have been using our venue. So thank you. For your giving, and we really appreciate it in this season. On the on your seat, there's a card, a plasticized card. And if you gave online, you can take that. Let me pray for you uh, as we take this moment to focus on our giving. Father, we thank you today for your for your faithfulness. We thank you that everything we have comes from you. And today, Lord, we give back to you what you already gave to us through our donations through our tithes, and through our offerings. We thank you that your promises are sure. You say that if we bring the tithe into the storehouse, you will open the windows of heaven, pour out such blessing we can't contain it. Lord, you say that you will multiply the seed that we sow. And we know from our own experiences that your promises are sure. And so today, I pray for your blessing on each and every person, on every family represented. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, Reno. Thank you. Uh, Let's thank our worship team for doing such a great job. Appreciate them greatly. Last week... I finished a series called Living Stones in which we have been exploring the subject of how Peter, who had a revelation about Jesus being the Christ, uh, had a revelation about how we, as living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. And I concluded that series last week. And uh, I, I want to share a message that is a transitional message. The first part of it will be today in this venue. The second part of it will be next week in our new venue. Today is the last Sunday in our building. And there are so many memories of events and things that have taken place in this building over the last seven years. I can think of many people who met in this place, who fell in love as a result of meeting in this place, who got married because they met in this place. I can think of people who made decisions to give, accept Christ as their Savior in this place. People were healed in this place physically, emotionally, spiritually. People who discovered their God-given purpose and their God-given destiny in this place, people who sowed financially in this place, people who we've said goodbye to in this place, babies that we've dedicated in this place, people whose lives we've celebrated in this place and remembered and honored in this place, and people who we've sent out from this place, so many memories that are associated with this building. Last week, our daughter London was in the white room, which is the room in the far corner past the kids' area of the church. And she told me as I drove her home, she said, I walked into the room and I began to to cry. And she said, I began to cry and weep and bawl uncontrollably. And she said, I thought about all the memories. I thought about so many years, nearly half of my life that I've spent in this building. I thought about the uh, homework club that we had in the building. I thought about all the kids that I hung out with here in the building. I thought about all the years that I've grown up in the building. And so we talked as we drove home and processed for a while about those memories, and this morning as I drove to church for our last service in this building with her, I said to her, are you going to shed some more tears today? I said, have you shed all your tears? And she said, yes, I think I've shed all my tears. And I began to talk to her about how we're leaving the building, but the memories that have been made in this building will never leave us. They will always remain with us. They will always be a part of the fabric of our journey, of our experience that we've shared together as we've journeyed over these recent years. The building may be demolished, which it's going to be. It may be mutilated in the next week as the walls are knocked out and... And, and it's, trans, it's transformed into, for another use. But none of those memories can be demolished, and they will leave with us. Jesus said to his disciples, as he was preparing them for his departure, he said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And so the words that have been spoken in this place will never pass away. They're recorded in eternity. The events that have taken place, those special moments that you remember, that we remember individually and corporately, will never leave us. They'll never go away. Memories that have been created in this place, the things that really, truly matter, because at the end of the day, the bricks and mortar, it doesn't matter It's what took place within the walls of this church, of this place where we've gathered for these years that really, truly matters. None of it will ever pass away or ever be taken away. And so, as I was talking last week, I said my message next week is going to be called Beginnings and Endings. And as I began to think about it, I thought, no, I don't want to talk about beginnings and endings. I want to talk about cycles and seasons because when we often think about beginnings and endings, God thinks about cycles and seasons because everything that God does is a continuum of the cycles and seasons that he has established from the very beginning of time. And sometimes I feel like we miss the moment or we become dislocated or we become, uh, we, we become affected by the moment in a way that maybe we would not be if we were to see and perceive and understand things from God's perspective, that God sees things more in the terms of cycles and seasons than he does beginnings and endings. And so this is a cycle and a season that we have journeyed through and that we will journey through as we proceed from this week to next week. Have you ever noticed that the sun rises every morning and every evening the sun sets? We may not know what the weather will be like tomorrow, But we do know that the sun will rise and the sun will set. We may say, if it's a nice day tomorrow, we're going to go to the beach. But we never say, if the sun rises tomorrow, we'll go to the beach. Because the weather is transient, but there is a permanency about the cycle that God has established because from the very beginning of time, every single day, the sun rises and the sun sets. I wonder when the last time you wondered about that was. I think about it often. Every morning, the sun rises and the sun sets. And there's no doubt in my mind that that will take place. Why? Because God has set into place a cycle that we read about in the very first chapter of the Bible in Genesis 1 and verse 3. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. So from the very beginning, God established a cycle that would take place, that has taken place for millenniums, day and night, day and night, day and night. And as long as we are alive, we experience those cycles and that cycle in our lives. And then at the end of the seventh day, God established another cycle. And we read in Genesis 2 and verse 1 to 4, So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. He set it apart from all the other days, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. And so the first cycle of day and night became a larger cycle of weeks, of seven days that made up a week. And the eighth day became the first day of the next week. And so all of us are in that cycle that we experience on a weekly basis of the seven-day week that we're a part of. And so a new cycle began. And then after 52 weeks, the 52 weeks brought about the completion of a year. And so the new cycle began. And every year on the first of the year, we celebrate a new year and we make resolutions that most of us don't keep, that lasts for only a few days. And a new cycle begins, and the cycle continues to repeat itself day after day, week after week, year after year, decade after decade, century after century, millennium after millennium. And as I said earlier, most of us have lived through days, weeks, years, decades, centuries, And millenniums, because as I said earlier, most people in this building were born in the last millennium. And so God established these cycles. A cycle is a repetition of the same thing. But a season is the beginning of a new period of time. And so within the cycles that God created, he established seasons. And so all of us live within the cycle of time and the cycles that God established. And within those cycles, God placed seasons. And this is what we read Genesis 8 and verse 22. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. And so God established seasons. And so we experience seasons, we experience summer fall, winter, spring, summer, fall, winter, spring. He established those seasons, and with every season, there is a change that takes place within the cycles that God has established. When I was growing up in England... I spent the early years of my life, or most of the earlier years of my life, my home was in a small village called Blueberry. It was famous because Kenneth Graham, who wrote The Wind in the Willows, lived there. And I grew up in that village, and I hated the English winters. And I lived in the Thames Valley, and it was foggy, damp, cold, cold gray and miserable and I could not wait to leave and outside my bedroom there was a tree and I used to look at that tree as the seasons began to change and the cycle of time changed and January became February and February when I wasn't at boarding school by the way but February became March and I would look out of the window and I would be looking to look for the buds on the tree. And that tree was, my bedroom was above the kitchen and so I would go in the kitchen and I'd look out the window and I'd, I'd be saying to my family, look, the buds, the buds have started on the tree. They're starting to turn green and they're starting to leaf. And I'd get excited about this tree because what it meant was the warmer weather, however few the days might be in England, was coming. And my family called it Jonathan's Tree because it was a tree that reminded me of, reminded them of me and my my focus on the the change of the season. So when it comes to change that's taking place, when it comes to what we are navigating right now as a church, very often we see things as a an ending and a beginning. But God sees it more as a continuum of a cycle that he set into motion within which a new season is emerging. I'm going to say that again because there's a lot in that statement. God sees this as more of a continuum of a cycle that he set into motion within which a new season is emerging. God builds everything he does through cycles and seasons. God fulfills his purpose through cycles. And as I said earlier, it's very easy for us to look at things as, uh, as beginnings and endings, and yet everything God does, he does through cycles. And as we study the Bible or the history of, God's, of, of the journey of God and man that is recorded in the Bible, we find these cycles that continually, uh, continually take place. The Israelites had 400 years of captivity in Egypt, and then they they were delivered, and they spent 40 years in the wilderness, and then they spent 400 years occupying the promised land, and then within that 400 years, if you read the book of Judges, it's a depressing book. If you read the book of Judges, you find within the book of Judges seven cycles that took place that are exactly the same. And if you think about those cycles, unfortunately, very often we can see a lot of ourselves within that cycle. Within those seven cycles, there are five stages. Five in the Bible is a number of grace, which reminds us and encourages us that within the cycles of our. of our life and all that takes place, God's grace is prevailing. At the end of this service, we're going to take communion together as the last thing that we do in this building. And we're going to sing that song again, Grace to Grace. And in those cycles, we find seven things that took place. First of all, they had, and they all, to help remember it, begin with R. Ah. The people had rest. Rest. But then they rebelled. And then after they rebelled, God brought about retribution. And after retribution, after the judgment that they experienced, they repented. There was repentance. And then there was restoration. And then there was rest. And then they rebelled. And then there was retribution. And then there was repentance. And so the cycle went on, and that is the cycle of the human bias towards independence from God. When I think about my life over the years, it's kind of interesting to me that my life has, in a sense, ever since I accepted Christ as my Savior, I've experienced cycles of seven. And every seven years, something significant has taken place. The first seven years after I've became a Christian, I served as a volunteer in the church that I was in in Sydney, and then after seven years, I went into full-time ministry, and I served the senior pastor of that church for two cycles of seven, 14 years, and so after 21 years, three cycles of seven, I served his son for another seven years, 28 years, four cycles of seven. We moved out here to uh, the U.S., and nine years, we were mobile. I don't know what happened to those two years, but they were two transitional years. And then we've been in this building seven years. And so for me, it's just an interesting observation. And I said to Die, it's just interesting to me. I, I those are just I have a recognition that. But in the midst of that, there has been a continuum, a continuum of the context of relationships that I've had over those years. I haven't bounced around like a ball in a pinball machine from one place to the other. There has been a continuum of a relational context that has helped me understand that God has been building in my life through the various seasons of my life in significant ways to bring me where I am today. And I feel like, unfortunately, if we look at our lives like a series of beginnings and endings, we can end up like that pinball in the pinball machine, bouncing from one thing to the other, making a lot of noise with a lot of lights flashing, but not a lot that may be potentially built if we understand that God works through a continuum of relational context. T.D. Jakes once said, when God draws, when God creates, he draws in circles. An interesting thought. Because when we read the Bible, we read in Proverbs 8, verse 27, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. This is wisdom speaking. Wisdom, Jesus is the wisdom incarnate. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. I, Jesus, was there when he drew a circle on the face of the deep. And so before Copernicus and Galileo, there was an understanding that the earth was circular, not flat. In the book of Revelation, we read, and I looked again, and I heard the voice of thousands and millions of angels around the throne, and the living beings, and the elders. In the book of Ezekiel, we read, uh, as I watched the four creatures, Ezekiel is having a vision of heaven. I saw something that looked like a wheel on the ground beside each of the four-faced creatures. This is what the wheels looked like. They were identical wheels sparkling like diamonds in the sun. It looked like they were wheels within wheels like a gyroscope. It's a vision of heaven. When God creates, he draws in circles. When God relates, he draws in circles. We read about Mark uh, about Jesus in Mark 4:34 and he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, "Here are my brothers. Here are my mother and my brothers. So when God creates, he moves. When God creates, he draws in circles. When God moves, he moves in cycles. When we, Di and I were leaving Australia, we were planning the name of our church, and we came up with a very original name, Newport Church. <laughs> it required a lot of creativity, a lot of thought, um, and it kind of, we started, okay, we just called it Newport Church because it was going to be in the Newport area, and then it stuck, and it kept sticking. So that was our name, but when we were thinking about a logo, we had a friend um, called Giles. Uh, He was English. He was in Australia. And he was a graphic artist. And we asked Giles to come up with a logo for us. And I thought, that's going to be a hard call. Because how do you come up with a logo? He's probably going to, we're probably between Di and I, between the two of us. Any husbands and wives like that? I thought, he's going to be at this for a long time. So he came up with a logo. And the first logo that he showed us, both of us sat down and said, that's it, and that is the logo that you see on the screen there, and that's been our logo since the very beginning, and the thing that I love about that is it talk, in that logo is a series of circles that come out from a hub, and we as a church have always talked about circles of connection, and that God has created us to be a part of a circle of connection, a circle of connection where we can grow, where we can flourish, where we can be surrounded by people who can partner with us, who can encourage us, who can stand with us. And so all of us are a part of a circle of connection, whether we are aware of it or not. A circle of relationships, a circle of friendships, a circle of partnerships, um, and as a church, we have always wanted to be a church that emphasizes the power of being a part of a circle of relationship. And there's a lot more that I could say that as I think about that logo that in a sense gives a, an explanation or an illustration of of what we value as a church, but we have always valued relationship, relationship with God, relationship with each other, and relationship with the community of faith that we're a part of. So, as I conclude, I want to leave you with three things that I believe God does in the cycles and seasons of our life that we need to understand. And the first of these is this. Whenever God's people move in unison and unity, he takes them to something greater. Whenever God's people move in unison and unity, he takes them to something greater. So as we move through the various cycles and seasons of our life, we are a part of a community of faith. And when we as a community of faith, and it's that that I'm addressing specifically today or that that I'm talking about specifically as a part of a church, as a part of a community of faith, when we move in unison and unity and we understand that the movement that we're a part of and the movements that take place and the changes that take place are in in fact an expression of the continuum of the cycles and seasons that God is taking us through, God always takes us to something greater. It's easy to think, well, we're moving from a permanent building to a movie theater. We're moving backwards. No, we're in a part of the continuum of the cycle and season. And I'm going to get to my third point is going to address this specific thought that would be coming to each one of us now. If we read in the book of Acts, it says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 46, when the early church was first established, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Jesus had just turned their world upside down. Most of these people that we are talking about were basically outcast. They were were not welcome in the Jewish community at the time because of their, their faith in Jesus, who had established a whole new pattern of worship, a whole new Place of worship, a whole new perspective of worship, a whole new people that were to be included in worship. There were monumental changes of mega proportions that were taking place, but because they moved in unison and in unity, God took them to something greater. And when we look at the and when we look at the, the Bible and we look at the 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 patterns, the cycles, the seasons that take place in the Bible, whenever God's people move in unison, And unity, God always does something special. Psalm 133 verse 1 says that how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. And it goes on at the end to say because that's where God commands the blessing, where there's unity. And I want to encourage our church today as we are on the eve of our move to a new building. Our anthem for this season has been three things. There's been pray, carry, and lead. Pray, carry, and lead. When we move in unison and unity, amazing things happen. Let's make this move in unison, and let's make this move in unity. Secondly, when... There is a change that takes place when there's a new season. God's purpose hasn't changed, it just looks different. God's purpose hasn't changed, it just looks different. The early church looked very different to the Old Testament church or the Old Testament Jewish religion. But God's purpose hadn't changed. Many people look at the Old Testament and find it difficult to reconcile with the New Testament. New the Old Testament's full of some pretty awful things. <laughs> Terrible things. It's a picture of humanity at its best and at its worst. Maybe you feel like tearing the pages of the Old Testament out of your Bible. But God's purpose hasn't changed in the New Testament. And this is what St. Augustine said. He said, The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. You see, you can find Jesus on every page of the Old Testament. Jesus is in every single page of the Old Testament. He's just concealed. But in the New Testament, he's revealed. The Old Testament is the New Testament contained. The New Testament is the Old Testament explained. It's a continuum of the cycles and seasons of God's work, of what he is doing. And just as the first chapter of Genesis says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and it speaks about how God said, let there be light, and there was light. John intentionally in his gospel begins with these words, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. All things were made through him, and nothing was made through And and without him, nothing was made that was made, and in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not understand it. John connects the first verses of the book of Genesis with his gospel because he's declaring that this is not something new, this is not something separate, this is a continuum of the cycles and seasons of God's purpose in our life, but it just looks different. And sometimes when God works and God does things in our lives and there's a new cycle and a new season and it's different, we think that it's a new thing. No, it's just a continuation, a continuum of what God is wanting to do and establish in our lives. Our our venue may have changed or, or may be about to change, but our purpose hasn't changed. Our venue may look different, but our purpose is not different. Our venue may look different, but our mission is not different. Our venue may look different, but our vision is not different. And then finally, I'm going to ask the worship team to come to the platform. Finally, the third thing is things change externally because God wants to change us internally. When there's a new cycle or a new season, we have to ask ourselves, What is God wanting to do? To everything there is a season, Solomon says, a time for every purpose under heaven. In every season and within every cycle, God does something new. It's not so much what's changing around us that God's interested in, it's what's changing in us. Summer spring, fall, and winter. What is God doing in us? I think about the last two years, and I think we probably talked a lot about the last two years and how much everything has changed. And it's easy to see, look back, and as we look over the COVID season, it's Easy to see and from a Christian perspective maybe to look and see what did the enemy do? He disrupted. He disconnected. Or he sought to disconnect. He sought to disrupt. He sought to dislocate. He sought, sought to distract. He sought to destroy. Not surprising because Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But he, the enemy, has come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. So it's not hard to see. I mean, you have to be very short-sighted not to see what the enemy has been trying to do, both within our culture, with the attack on the Judeo-Christian ethic upon which this nation was founded, upon the church and the dislocation of people from the church. It's not hard to see that. But my question is, more than that, what is God wanting to... What has God wanted to do in me in this season? What has God wanted to do in his church in this season? And I believe that one of the things that God is wanting to do in this season is that he is wanting to bring us back to basics, to what is fundamentally important, to what is most important, rather than the many things that may have distracted us prior to that season and had taken maybe a central position in our lives rather than a peripheral position in our lives. And I believe that for us as a church in this next season, and if you think about it, in many ways we can think about it if we're speaking very openly and honestly over the last two years, it seems like so much has been stripped back through COVID, through the migration of many people out of California, many young people, young families, part of our church, and now our our building. But for me personally, I see an opportunity for us to go back to basics. To go back to our first love. To go back to what is most important. And that is our love for God and our love for people. Our love for His church. And basically with much of what we're doing, we're stripping back a lot of what we're doing to fundamentally our weekend services focusing on those times when we can gather together in person as a church. Our small groups, our life groups, I'll talk more about that. So many of them and different types of life group, one that Robin Dumas runs and, and Lisa Geiger is a part of, uh, leading our, our grief share that has been so effective and helped so many people. Our small groups and I work in the community in Santa Ana, feeding those that are hungry. And the good news is that Anchorstone, the Taiwanese church that have been meeting with us here over the years, have said they want to partner with us and help us to reach more people in that area. And so it gives us an opportunity. Things have changed. A, it's a new season. It's a new cycle. But if we can move together in unison and we can move together in unity... If we can go back to basics, then God can do something fresh and something new in each of our hearts, individually and corporately. Whenever God moves, he moves through the continuum of the cycles and seasons of his divine purpose. And when we understand that, it helps us as we navigate this season. Can you say amen to that? Give Jesus a big hand of praise. Today, we're going to take a moment to take communion together just as we close as a, in these closing moments of the service. And our team are putting the emblems up here on the platform. And uh, I want to encourage you as we sing this song, Grace to Grace. I've, I'd love to share this scripture with you uh, because it was a scripture that I woke up with this morning. It's a scripture from the book of Zechariah. We've been talking about the temple and we've been talking about how we're built like living stones. And in this particular scripture, Zechariah talks about how the capstone, which is the last stone of the building, will be laid with the shouts of grace, grace to it. And in a sense, this service is the capstone of what we built over the years in this place. And I want to go out with those shouts, grace, grace to it. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain. And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you shall know, The Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small beginnings? Let's lay the foundation. Let's place that capstone here with the shouts of grace, grace. And as we move, let's not despise The day of small beginnings, but let's continue to rebuild, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you. If there's anyone who's watching now online or anyone who's here and you've never ever accepted Christ as your Savior, I want to encourage you to do that right now as I pray this prayer. And then after that, we're going to take communion together. And as we sing this song, I want to encourage you to come forward and take this cup and go back to your seat. And then I'll pray, and we'll take communion together. But if you've never, ever accepted Christ as your Savior today, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. On this, our last Sunday in our church, whether you're here or you're watching online, would you pray with me? Because when you pray this prayer, God's going to hear your prayer. He's going to answer your prayer and He's going to come into your heart and into your life and transform your life, give you the gift of eternal life so that you can live here and in eternity connected to your Heavenly Father. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. And today, I surrender my life to you. I ask you to forgive me. Give me a brand new start, a fresh beginning. And I believe... I will never be the same again. The same again. In Jesus.